Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court issues and CPS issues. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and I've got Crystal back on for part two, discussing many articles here that we've got, or actually what she's got of John Hopkins and the Pacific Standard that was written by Natalie Patillo on March 5th, 2018. That was like about two years ago. We're going to discuss um, child trafficking and um, finding missing children through the foster care system. So good evening, Crystal. How is it going? It is going good. I am so uh, thankful that you have me back on your um, podcast here uh, to discuss this very important issue um, for prevention and awareness of sexual abuse and uh, sex trafficking of children through the foster care system. And I know I talked about these articles, the John Hopkins and the Pacific Standard, and what the one with the Pacific Standard that Natalie Patillo wrote on March 5th, which was of 2018. What do you think of that article? Um, well, the one with uh, Natalie Patillo, that article actually was an investigation um, that took two years um, through the foster care system. Um, but yes, okay. that article... Um, uh, was about sex trafficking and, sex and sexual abuse um, in the foster care system um, and how many children actually come out of the system and, and end up or from the system end up into sex trafficking and prostitution. Um, and it's an alarming number and, and it, it, is, it is at an alarming rate. Mm -hmm. um, for some apparent reason, um, well, we know evil is everywhere, absolutely everywhere, but it seems to be that sexual abuse uh, is four times more likely to happen in foster care than it is to actually happen um, from the home that they were removed from, uh, believe it or not. Oh, I do um, believe it. Yes, I do believe that. <laughs> and I'm sure that, you know, I mean, what, what have you heard about, about that uh, sex trafficking and, and the sexual abuse and violence? Well, I've talked to parents and, People have told me that they have children that were taken away from a fit and loving home based on false allegations, placed in foster care where they are literally being tortured. And this really needs to stop. The incentive needs to stop of Title 4E and 4D, but the whole thing needs to be uh, revamped or shut down. I've just, I'm hearing the same stories over and over again. And that when kids that have grown up out of foster care, CPS comes after them when they have a family. And I've heard that multiple times. Yeah, it's, 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 it's beyond um, comprehension to those that are listening that have never experienced their child um, being taken away from them from false allegations, preponderance of evidence, and so on, uh, without warrant, without probable cause, um, and then have your child placed with complete strangers um, in an unknown location. Um, and then to find out that your child not only has been molested or raped, and you know, the tragedy goes far beyond that. Um, the high rate of runaways within um, the foster care system, um, it, it is very, very high within that uh, teenage range. And then they often find themselves either um, being prostituted, which is sex trafficking, or they are sex trafficked under tunnels. Um, They're sold um, like cattle, um, or they, they are just continually raped uh, and then end up pregnant by the foster parent. And the thing is, not only do we hear this on the news, of course, you know, everyone's on Facebook and they're seeing, you know, posts put up about a foster parent exactly doing that. Uh, and the thing is, is that people want 
to pretend like it's not happening. And oftentimes the system itself wants to brush it under the rug. There are thousands of stories of children who have come forward who are not believed um, because they are they are placed in these supposedly safe homes that have these case managers, um, they have these uh, supervisors, they have supervised visitation, so on and so forth. But in actuality, um, it is a far, far more dangerous place than people can imagine for these children. I cannot imagine being a child and having a caseworker come to the house and just take you out and put them and put you in their car and you'll never see your parents again. And what do you think the damage, has there been a study done on the damage that this does to these kids that this happens to when they're abducted into foster care? Well, absolutely. That's one of the first things that they have in the case plan is that the child goes into um, some type of a therapy. And the reason why they do this is because they know immediately that attachment bond that's there with the parent, um, either A, they want to keep that bond or B, they they don't want to keep that bond. Um, But they want that child in therapy because they know that the cycle, it's already been proven beyond beyond, um, like I said before in our, our, our last podcast, where I had done a huge uh, segment um, of, there was complete medical studies with psychiatrists, um, document, you know, a board of medical professionals across the United States who have done these studies that have said that the damage is um, almost as much as a person that has come back from more the PTSD. It is that traumatic to the child. Um, And also, we're forgetting the trauma that it does to the parents as well. The the absolute trauma that it puts um, these families through. Um, My God, it is is a pain that you don't wish upon your worst enemy. It's a Um, grueling pain that when I talk to moms and dads that haven't seen their children since COVID came out and they don't know where the foster care home is and they're just racked with uh, emotional pain worrying about their child well that's yeah well they don't want they're not going to tell you where your child is at they sometimes move the children between counties they sometimes uh put the children in multiple placement homes within months of time um it's 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 an alarming rate of instability abuse um it's just nothing but a merry-go-round of abuse and back to that study i was talking to you about uh the john hopkins university found that children who are in foster care are four times more likely to be sexually abused than other children not in this setting male and female children may be sexually abused um and it starts um from a year very young uh they they do very young children um to nearly um 16, 17, 18-year-old age range, they, they, uh, they don't stop. <laughs> they don't know when to stop. And it's all because of the incentive, the Title IV D&E incentive. Well, the, the funding. Any, we all know corruption, corruption stems from one thing, and that's greed. Hmm. Um, we're, we're not going to be able to stop that until the message is just absolutely clear across the board in every, in every realm. Um, like I said before, the corruption goes way, way, way to the top and it's not gonna stop. It's not gonna stop until that's taken down. Uh, the Tampa Bay Times did an article on January 13th of this year uh, talking about Florida must do a better job of protecting children from rape and sexual abuse in the foster care system. Um, Pacific Standard, USA Today. These are all articles that you guys can look up. This has been going on for a long time. Uh, you know, this is going on for decades and decades and decades of this. And it gets brought to the surface and then it gets buried. It gets brought to the surface and then it gets buried. What do you think? Um, you know, I know these articles are written to enlighten people, but they're not. Um, offering, are, are they offering any hope of this coming to an end? Well, not from the John Hopkins study. They're saying that it's an epidemic within the foster care system. Um, 
approximately 530,000 children in the United States live in foster care at any given time. That's very close to my number that I gave you the last time. So you're talking within a 10-year time, that's 5 million children. Out of those 5 million children, you're suspecting probably over 70% of them have been abused in some way or another in the foster care system. And if not sexually abused, we don't even have a percentage number, but it's very high. I, I believe that it is very high that our runaways and that are now in the sex trafficking industry and it seems like when they do run away if it's if they don't get into prostitution they're running into other people with other bad intentions and either getting them into drugs and what they run into they're not prepared for the real world either um absolutely not you, you're taking you know many of these you know Teens, especially, you know, any age group from eight to, to 18 um, is a hard placement. Um, anywhere from 13 to 18 is almost, you're going into group homes, you're going into home after home after home. Um, and like I said, the runaway age from 13 to 18 is very, very high. When they run away, almost no connection they have with their real biological family at this point because it's been severed. So they're going to be running away and then they're going to be running away to anything and anyone that can promise them something that they've never had. And they're confused as well because they wonder, and you know, these foster care homes, don't you think these foster care parents alienate the child against the parents at the same Absolutely. Um, the, the stories are, are beyond astronomical. I've, I've seen it firsthand. Um, I, I've, I've literally witnessed it firsthand. The, the grotesqueness of it is that they can keep these children, they can keep their paycheck. What do you think of, don't you think it's ridiculous to take a 17 and a half year old out of the home and put them in foster care? when there's when they are taken from fit and loving parents absolutely yeah. take that half of a year and then what and then what you're going to release them out onto the streets i mean that's what happens they don't have a real fit program for these kids after their release it's basically like taking these kids and putting them in juvie and then by the time they're 18 saying here you go here you're out on your own right find, find your own way find your own way don't end up back here again it's it's absolutely it's absolutely insane. It's absolutely insane. The number uh, of dropouts in the foster care system is so high. The number that's what I'm trying to get people to understand and for people to grasp. It is not just one arena of this system that is bad. It's not just the court system that is bad. It's not just them coming to your home and threatening you with police officers without warrants, grabbing your children and um, no due process, and then placing them with strangers who are not fully vetted, not trusted, they don't do, um, they do not do the right checkups, the right knocks at the foster care system at their houses. They don't, they don't knock at their door the way that they knock at, at, a, at a parent's door to make sure that they're not in bed with that child molesting them. Mm -hmm. As far as, uh, the sexual abuse goes do you have figures of i you know i don't know maybe maybe no one has the figures of how many children have been sexually abused in these foster care homes well i can tell you this if you have john hopkins you have usa today pacific standard and tampa bay times probably many many more that we need to do some research on reporting this you know we have a systemic problem and this systemic problem is, has been going on for, uh, you know, would you say 40 years? I like, when did foster care start? Well, we know that after, <clears throat> I, after that um, law was passed about um, the hours that a ch child labor laws, and then in the 1970s, they did uh, start the, the child welfare system, quote unquote. And then that went through till Bill Clinton did the uh, Safe uh, Families Act or whatever he did in 1997, 
which then he incorporated huge amounts of money into it. Huge amounts of money. Right. It's um, when they coined the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, did that feed into foster care, do you think? Hillary Clinton coined that phrase. Yes, she did. Hillary Clinton coined, coined that phrase. Um, it takes a village to raise a child. I, th I think not. I think we have many great people, such as Ben Carson, who grew up with a single mother who is now a brain surgeon. Um, it doesn't take a village to raise a child, and the government needs to keep its hands off our children. They're not, they're not cattle to be sold and slaughtered. They're not cattle to be rotated in and out of court systems and in and out of foster, foster homes. They're not, they're not for sale. And it also seems like the parents are for sale as well because they get these parents having to pay court fees and child support. And I think there's other fees. Absolutely. It's a, it's a pyramid scheme. It's a pyramid scheme. You can continually get the money rolling in. Not only do they get the funding from the government to keep these court systems rolling, they're, they're funding it by the victims. They're mm -hmm. funding the system by the innocent children, by their social security number, and by their date of birth. And they're funding it by these innocent parents that are drugged in on false allegations who you had your child wrongfully taken away and now you have to pay for it on top of it. There was a question I was going to ask you. Um, if, say, a parent keeps bringing a child into the ER for, like, stupid stuff, like, you know, maybe once, or, once a once. week, uh, every other week, you know, right. isn't that suspicious and the doctor or the nurse will contact CPS. Well, I think it's suspicious to begin with. I mean, why are you bringing your child in every week? Unless there is, the, the, the child has some severe medical um, diagnosis where he or she needs treatment. Um, otherwise, I mean, if you're bringing them in for, you know, oh, my, she, you know, chipped her toenail or I think her, that is Munchausen syndrome. Mm -hmm. That's Munch, you know, that's a different, that's a different thing. Um, but uh, are you referring to a parent using the medical system as revenge towards another parent? Well, that could be too as well. Um, you know, it's either Munchausen by proxy or someone's trying to get even with the other parent. Well, if you have a good, a good doctor or whatever, they're going to, they're going to really, they're going to see right through that, you know, Wizard of Oz curtain. Um, hopefully, um, right. you don't know who's in whose pocket. And that's the saddest part about it is that we have too many people right now just looking out for the bottom dollar and not what's right and wrong, uh, forgetting their oaths, forgetting what they stand for, um, forgetting a conscience for that matter. Do you think if some parents will make one false accusation after another, you know how they make like three and four in a row. A judge could possibly take the child away from both of the parents and put the child into foster care. Is that Absolutely. correct? Absolutely. I think at a certain point in time, they're going to say, okay, well, something is going on here. And until we figure this out, we're going to place them. Do I think that's right? No. Um, I think a parent, first of all, if you're going to try to get back at a parent, you should never, another parent getting back at, a, at the other parent should never use a child, number one. That's not your personal product. That's not your, that's not your uh, personal piggy bank or, or, or get even toy. That is a human being's life you're destroying. I don't know if some of these parents or relatives understand what they're doing when they call in and make these false accusations, what Absolutely could not. happen? Absolutely not. And that's where, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring awareness um, to help people understand that when you make that false accusation, 
the point you do that, there is no return because that child's life could be taken away from them. Their life could be forever altered in a way that you could not forgive yourself for that. That has to stop. You have to stop weaponizing your children. Stop weaponizing the system against your children. The thing is, how do you get these uh, vindictive people? I don't know. I don't know how you get that to stop. You don't get, well, I mean, you can keep, like I said, keep spreading awareness. But at some point in time, there there are some, you have to understand there are some people, it doesn't matter. Um, you can scream tsunamis coming and they'll just look at you and, and call you a liar. Um, they don't care. There are some people out there that are so malicious and so vindictive. They do not care. And they don't even care if the child could end up paying for this for the rest of their lives, which will never be the same. Absolutely not. And that's the sad part about it is, is that they don't know how deep the rabbit hole goes until they're in the rabbit hole. What do you think of these, um, I don't know if they're called care centers, where the parent can meet and see their child with, I don't know, a caretaker that's supervising the visits? Oh, a supervised visitation center. Yes, that's what a lot of these court systems like to do, even with non-offending parents. They like to make sure that they have these supervised visitations where these caseworkers will sit in on, the sup on these supervised visits. They'll take notes of how... The parent is emotionally, physically, and mentally responding um, to that child. Um, and it could be, it could go either way for that parent. It's totally up to that caseworker, unfortunately. And these caseworkers, I know we talked about in our last podcast, they're really not educated enough to even make a psychological assessment. Absolutely not. They, ha they are not um, psychotherapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, mental health professionals um, in no way, shape, or form. But they're given that undue power for some reason, as well as they're given power to think that they are law enforcement when they're not. Now, some of these children, we were talking earlier that some of these children have fallen through the cracks they've become forgotten about on top of being missing since the 1980s. Absolutely. Um, you can go probably into any Walmart across the country and you can be uh, checking out your groceries and walk past these bulletin boards and see these black and white pictures, um, you know, these papers printed out of these children missing since 1980, 1990, 1999, 2000, whatnot. Um, and, be, you know, most of us think, oh, my God, they've been kidnapped. No, these children, the high probability of these children being kidnapped is slim to none. Mm -hmm. um, these children probably more than likely have gone into the system. They are, are either uh, have run away and have entered into a life of prostitution, drugs, or sex trafficking. You know, and it's a shame that our country is letting this happen. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the amount of children that have been rescued over the last year from sex trafficking, over 80% of them have come from the foster care system. Now, what does that say about our system that's supposed to be protecting the children? The children that they took away from, from most of them from loving parents. Right. Oh, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Most of them away from loving parents. I mean, what right. does that say about our system? It's out of control. And I mean, uh, the calling in the false al accusations, allegations, I don't know if they'll ever stop that. Um, it won't stop because there's a crisis here, not only with your neighbor or your uh, a family member that you're upset with, or you're going through a divorce, or you're leaving your partner and you have a child with them and you think it's okay to make false allegations because you want that child. Nine times out of, the, out of 10, that child suffers way more than anybody could ever suffer. 
And that child winds up being the victim in all of it, whether they're taken out of your custody and put in, a, in this corrupt system or not. They wind up being the victim. Their whole life, they have to deal with something that you did. Right. Um, for example, I don't know if I ever told you this, Crystal, but um, my parents used to be um, like a big brother, big sister pro program. Right. And they, my mother had taken um, this girl, we would pick her up and take her to movies on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And I never once saw her smile. We took her to a funny movie. And I looked over and she just had a blank expression on her face. And I thought, even, even though I was probably, I may have been 12 at the time, but I just thought there is something wrong. There's something going on that, that your life is so disturbed you can't even enjoy anything. Isn't that sad? And, and to wonder what happens to all these children, um, just to wonder what happens to all these children. I'm a, I'm a victim of, of a corrupt system. And to wonder what happens to all these children that don't make it, that wind up in prison. The statistics of a foster care child winding up in prison that has gone through the system for more than three years is statistically high. Not only that, they don't get the proper education. They don't wind up graduating high school, attending college, or getting jobs. If they do, you're in probably the low percentile of the foster care system if you've been in there for more than three years. Do you think, or I don't know if you know the statistics on this, but as far as relatives stepping up to the plate and saying, oh, I'll take him or I'll, I'll take her so they don't go to foster care. Well, they're you know? supposed to do that. There's a, the state is supposed to find kin first, blood first. Most of the time they'll, they'll pretend that they did, or if the kin steps in and they find a problem with that kin, uh, maybe it had a background uh, of a DV call 30, 40 years ago, which we know DV 30, 40 years, 30 to 40 years ago was nowhere near like it is today in pretense of the call is handled within the home. Um, you know, an argument. It could have been just an argument, an argument about something petty but it's considered a DV call. So now that child's not placed with them. Oh, well, your uncle got a DUI back in 1972. I can't place you with him. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, um, they're supposed to keep them with the family first, but if they keep them with the family, there's no funding. There's no funding. There's no funding in that. You can't tell me over 500,000 children do not have a grandmother, grandfather, or close kin that they could have been placed with that would have been safe. That makes no sense. You're talking to 5 million children in 10 years had nobody that they could have been placed with. Think about the funding. Think about that. It's atrocious. It is. Do you think in the future, I mean, is there going to be like a way out of this or ending this at all? Probably not. I had more hope, I, I can tell you this, when we had the more of awakening, when people were in their homes and they're really reading things, and they're reading articles, and they're understanding more, I, ha I had more of, a, of a, a belief. But like I said, you know, we got to keep talking about it because if you don't talk about it, it's just going to get brushed under the rug. More children are going to get raped. More children are going to get are, are going to get murdered. More children are going to get kidnapped um, in the sex trafficking industry, and more children are going to be pulled like puppets between parents. And even that doesn't stop. The courts know what they're doing. Of course, it's the, the pyramid scheme. Right. They play, they play, they play, they read. Oh, well, court is adjourned until this session, this session, this session. Money pours in, money pours in. I need you to take this class. I need you to take this class. I need you to perform this. I need you to take this many drug uh, uh, testing. I need you to, to take this many anger management, this many DV counseling. Um, it, it's never going to stop. Uh, the, funding, the, the funding is so, like I said, it is so deep. We don't know when it's going to stop at this point, but if we keep helping uh, 
bring awareness to not the adults, the children, these children that are found in tunnels, these children that are found in the back of semi-trucks, these children that are found laying next to their foster parents, they're raping them. Mm-hmm. When we were talking about, you know, uh, when that child is taken away, uh, they make the parent jump through hoops. Like in a, Right, like the anger management classes, the parenting classes, and sometimes a parent has to pay for all this counseling. Oh, absolutely. They want you to have multiple psychological evaluations. And of course, you can't go and get the psychological evaluation from any normal uh, psychiatrist. You've got to go and get it done through who they suggest. Um, The counseling, you know, if you're lucky enough to get the counseling through Medicaid, then you're very blessed. Most of the time, these parents have to pay out of pocket. They're missing work. Um, not only that, they've got to travel to these visitation centers. They've got to make sure that they have food and because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for, are, are you bringing this child food? Are you bringing them clothing? Are you providing for them while they're out of your care? Um, you know, are you, um, going to these anger management classes that cost money? And all the time you're missing work each and every court date, each and every class, each and every visitation, that that does not matter. You still have to sustain a certain amount of income, stable stable housing, uh, car, transportation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to do this within a year's time of your child being taken away or your termination of your parental rights will come very quickly. Also, uh, for people listening out there, uh, the termination of parental rights, you'll hear uh, TPR thrown around. That's what that is, if people exactly. don't understand. Exactly. <clears throat> now, I know that you have this nonprofit organization, Warriors for Children and Families Unite, which can be found on Facebook and Google. And I know you're not a lawyer, but you you give advice. I, I don't give legal advice. What I do is I give advice, what, which is our, uh, you know, our constitutional rights as parents, our constitutional uh, constitutional rights as a as a person, as a free person. Um, it's not acceptable for an agency or an entity to come on your property and demand to search your home without a warrant stamped and sealed by a judge. They like to sneak. They like to do this. They like to do this late in the evening. They like to do this when you're tired. Um, you know, after a long day of work, they uh, like to do this while you're at work. Um, that's why I've seen a lot of these people who are starting to put cameras outside and inside of their home. They've even started to get that um, ring doorbell from Amazon where it, it automatically picks up audio and video. I suggest that um, I don't care if you, you have nothing to hide or not. This is, this is beyond that. Um, you need to start recording inside and outside of your home. Um, I know it seems weird, but um, it'd be even weirder if you picked up a phone, you started recording when they showed up, and they told you to turn it off. They don't want to be recorded because then that starts right there. A verbal confrontation, they're going to write down that you're verbal, uh, verbally confrontational. Um, your best bet is just to have these cameras in the house already. If you have children, get these cameras in the house. You have nothing to hide. Get these cameras inside and outside of your house. Have them recorded at all times. Definitely, Crystal. I wish I had a camera in my house when I had this caseworker come in and just start basically screaming at me. (laughs) Absolutely. So do I. And that's why I, you know, I I urge parents, you know, um, get these cameras. What do you have to hide? They're very, very uh, financially available like they're they're not expensive you can you can get some on amazon walmart for 29 dollars um you plug them in you, you you can even put a usb um cord into them or you can even get a little um a chip that records brain that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, right they could, they could be charged with usb and then uh you know it charge it for three hours and then put it back outside 
not even that you can even have um you can have their their wireless now there's oh, so cool. many options out there that are you know financially feasible they're very financially feasible and trust me at the end of the day i know that these family court systems don't like the parents to be able to provide any type of documents any type of evidence um that could say otherwise to these false allegations but if you go to trial you have you can you can show these things you can prove your innocence and let, let me tell you something also i don't care what state you're in if it, it may be two party one party consent have your phone hooked up to say um you know basically this call may be recorded for quality assurance I, and, and i know that might sound ridiculous to some people but you're already letting them know that the call may be recorded right right and please everything you need to do needs to be correspondence in writing in email um you know stop texting these caseworkers it's so unprofessional you can't text your boss in that way it's so it is so unprofessional and and just i i just it's beyond me it's beyond me that a caseworker a case manager or anybody else can text a mother or father pertaining to anything to the case it all should be done recorded via phone conversation or email and that family wizard if there is you know any communication between the parents as well absolutely absolutely and you know get you know get your children involved too let them know you know what state in the in the country that you that we live in i mean it is no longer safe for our children it is not because you have what's called mandated reporters and unfortunately within that mandated reported system comes funding and you've got to let your children be prepared when i was raising my kids i really didn't even think I never thought of this stuff. I didn't think any of this would happen to me. <laughs> Nobody did. No. I never <laughs> thought any of this ridiculous ridiculousness or evilness would ever be brought upon anybody. But the fact is is that it's here, it's real. There's nothing you can do about it right now. So the best thing you can do is prepare. You know, prepare, let people know, bring awareness. And be on you know I hate to say this but be on your guard be smart you know and the bet you know the, the worst thing I, I I see these parents and they can become so defensive and so angry when they're talking to these caseworkers and and, and the, the police show up and they're so angry and I'm just like you've got to calm down because everything you're doing is being documented it's being recorded mm -hmm. you know per, per them and you've got calm because they're saying okay this person this parent is just uh cursing us out there they're screaming at us they're this they're that you know it goes against you you, you gotta stop doing that right i also you know I, I don't know what you think of this but i know you know people they have a newborn baby and they're they've got this kid plastered all over instagram and facebook and i'm thinking to myself don't advertise your child yeah, I, you know what I see? If I was a social worker, money, 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 money. Stop it. I, I, I say the same thing, to, believe it or not, Marianne, that is uncanny. That's the same process that I have is that you guys, please, please stop posting your children on Facebook. You'll see, I, I rarely post pictures of my children. You'll see that, Marianne. I rarely post pictures of my children. Um, and I see these parents posting their beautiful newborns and their toddlers, and it's sad um, that we're even saying this. And some people that are listening to this probably be like, what are they talking about? This is nonsense, this is crazy. They're paranoid. No, I mean, I thought of that. I thought, oh, is it, you know, paranoid to watch you or not you, but I'm saying a parent continuously post every day a picture of their newborn. Uh, yeah. I say the same thing. Believe it or not, I say, oh my God, oh my God, if that was, you know, but hindsight's 2020. Right, right. You know, we can, we can. 
we can try to warn the masses just like when Noah did building the ark and they all laughed at him. They all laughed at him. They all scoffed him. They all told him, oh, you foolish man, go away while they lived in their foolishness and, and everything. And then what happened? I hate, you know, I, I hate to sit there and be the person that says, I told you so, but that's just like Noah did. I told you so. I remember having a discussion with one of my kids after, uh, I would say, a multiple um, false allegation. And I had said, um, are they worried that if they keep making these, you could end up in foster care? And my child nodded. Oh, wow. Um, I don't, you know, and this is before I really you know, before I wrote the book, before all this really gained momentum, it was already, it was already gaining momentum, but when it really burst, um, but uh, that was a fear of mine. I thought, you know, I have, you know, as a parent, you have a judge calling you mentally ill. You're already being labeled. The silver bullet has come out and they're, they're, the judge is relying on a caseworker with very little experience, knowledge, and education, who states the children should be removed? They're being treated horrible. Of course, of course, because that's, you know what a caseworker's wet dream is? <laughs> I hate to say this. It's a child they can go in and manipulate to say, yes, I want to, be removed. Oh, my mom, my dad is awful. Yes. You know, I have all these things I have to do. I, I hate living here. It's, it's, you know, my mom's crazy. My dad's crazy, you know, and they love, uh, they, they love that. They love it. Do you they think what? The, kid, the kids already did the, did the casework for them? Oh, right. But do you think that normally comes out of the mouth of, say, a 16 to 17-year-old? Oh, honey, I hear it all the time. Which what mother or father that has raised teenagers, I don't care how old you are, I don't care if you're 75, and I don't care if you're 35, that has raised teenagers cannot say that their teenager has said, I hate you, I don't want to live here, I'm running away. You're a horrible parent. Um, you know, I'm going to call the police on you. <sighs> sometimes I just wonder. I wonder how stupid you have to be sometimes to really be a caseworker. <laughs> because, Makes I mean, it really doesn't take much education. I mean, they say, well, I went to school. I have my associate's degree in, uh, you know, early childhood development. Um, that does not take a rocket scientist, trust me. Um, I, have, I have my associate's degree in, uh, you know, social work. That does not take a rocket scientist. I mean, they're, they're not highly educated, bachelor degreed, mm -hmm. uh, taken, you know, uh, four years in mental health or these people, you can go on Indeed and find their job and their salary. Mm -hmm. It's six to $40,000 a year. This is not rocket science, people. And they have poor people skills. They don't even know how to talk to people. Well, no, they have what's called a, you know, superior complex. Mm -hmm. um, this title where they can go out in the field and they have a badge and they have two police officers behind them. They have the biggest dick in the world. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. I hate to say that, but that's what it is. They've got the biggest gun. They've got the, and, it, and I'm telling you, if those officers were not behind them, they would not act in the manner that they do. They would not. You know, I feel like the police officers get put in the middle because they're set, they're told, go there and help this caseworker get this kid away. I don't know. If I, I was excuse ever because if you know your constitution when you put your hand up and you took your oath before you got your gun and your badge it says i will not violate the fourth and fourteenth and fifth 
and so on and so on amendment and constitution of these people's rights, but they do it. So I don't feel bad for them. They mm -hmm. make the grave and they'll lay in it. They'll lay in it with the consciousness and the blood of all these children that they have wrongfully removed. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, I'm, I'm like torn with that. Like, oh, gee, this officer is going there, and they don't. Maybe they don't want to, and they don't. They disagree with this, but it could well, cost them their job. As well, you have to think about it. it. Only takes six months to become a police officer. They're not highly educated. I could go and tell you I know all the Constitution, and I'd be a liar. It's just the same as they do. I think that they should carry the Constitution as a badge, with every freaking one of them on them. Mm -hmm. Because they need to understand something. Every time you violate someone's rights and take their child away and violate that child's right to be free of abuse, to be free of wondering where their parent is and what has happened to them, every the psychological, the mental, the physical, the sexual abuse that occurs with these children is abhorrent. And they're mentally destroyed for life, if not physically destroyed for life. You can't tell me there's not one child that has entered into the system that has said, I, I, I'm not a changed person. It could be for the good, low chance. High chance, they could say, I'm forever altered and I forever need counseling. I forever need therapy. I'm, I'm on medication now because of it. I have nightmares. You know. Um, Listen, the percentage out there that, that, that have been helped is low, but thank God they have been helped. Thank God they were saved. Thank God. Mm -hmm. And God bless them. But the amount that have been damaged, forever altered, and, and have been murdered is too high. It's mm -hmm. too high to say the system works. I saw on uh, was the news that 33 children were found um, and they were being sex trafficked. Um, yeah. Those came from foster care. Yeah. How many of those came from foster care? Mm hmm. 33 of them. How, how, how many do you think came from foster care? <laughs> I think all of them did. <laughs> Over half. Over half. Over half. And how these people can, can sit there and say, you know, I've, I've done a good job. I'm helping a child. Listen, if you go into court with your whole heart and you think that 100% that that child is being abused within your heart and soul, that's one thing. Because you have some type of evidence to prove that. But if you're going in and you're taking these children and you're providing false allegations, you're providing false documentation you're providing everything within perjury terms you're the probably the most disgusting human being that is on this planet i know a couple of those um oh, i'm sure parents know a bunch of those i think there are upon tens and tens of thousands in the united states right now right now parents right now that can say, Hey, listen, I I'm one, I'm one, I'm one, I'm run, you know, raising their hands, raising their hands. It's almost like a, a toothpaste commercial <laughs> where you've got thousands of hands coming up to, to make the crust too. And I hate, I hate to use that as an example, but I mean, that's, you know, the mm -hmm. numbers, the, just the numbers. I have been researching this now for, Oh my God, going on 10 years, 10 years, I've been researching this. And I can tell you, it hasn't gotten any better in the last 10 years for these families. I see one family after the, every, every, probably every minute a family is torn apart in this country. Every minute, every minute somewhere in some town, and some city and some state is being ripped to shreds, watching their child be ripped into a police officer's car, screaming and crying, while the parent is sitting there feeling absolutely helpless beyond, beyond anybody's imagination. Mm 
it's a nightmare that a parent cannot wake up from. No money can get their child back until the highest power of cor corruption can say so. And when they do get them back, they're not getting them back mentally whole. They're ever. Not, ever. Yeah. Ever. Never be the same. No, your, your child is forever altered. Forever altered. And if you're lucky to get your child back alive and not missing, not endangered, not on drugs, not on prostitution, not hurting themselves, not committing suicide, you're a lucky parent. I saw um, the child fatality statistics per your state. And you can look up how many children died in foster care. Am I correct? Absolutely. And that's disturbing just to even look at that, much less looking it up. California, but California. California, Florida, Texas. I know the eastern eastern seaboard as well. Um, and, 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 you know, don't forget the forgotten uh, Montana, you know, our, our central United States as well. It's, it's a lot of the um, states that people like to forget about, like Montana, South Dakota, North Dakota, Wyoming, you know, those middle middle states that people like to forget about, those have a lot of corruption, a lot of deep-seated, small-town corruption. Now, I know they go after the poverty-stricken, but as well as, I don't know what the percentage of is American Indian. Oh, well, <clears throat> that's a whole different thing. We can go into that. They've been going after the Native American people for a long time. Um, we can go after that historically uh, with documentation. Um, the Native American children, um, thank God, thank God the tribe stepped in. Um, a Native American child cannot be placed outside of the tribe unless there is no one that will take that child. The tribe not just the family, the tribe. The tribe will take that baby in, that child in, those children in. And I know, as you said before, kin would take the child in, but if there is no kin that will step up, then that child goes to foster care well, a lot of kin do try to step in, like I've told you before. Mm -hmm. What the system likes to do is they like to base on different levels of why they would take the child away. They like to take, you know, poverty is never a legal reason to take a child away, yet they do it. So if you can take that child away because of poverty and provide that foster family with thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, why would you not be able to help that family? It doesn't make sense, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same thing with presidents with domestic violence victims. Why would you take that child away from a victimized mother or father? Because we know domestic violence works both ways. Mm -hmm. Why would you take that child away when we understand that domestic violence, the number, re number one reason a domestic violence victim stays with the partner is for financial reasons? Mm -hmm. Why would you take that child away from that mother? The only thing that she was probably living for, the only thing she was striving for, the only thing that she was waking up for. Why would you take that away from her instead of providing her a safe environment, helping her instead of punishing her? Mm -hmm. See, I see the growing numbers across this nation where children are ripped away from, even from false allegations of domestic violence, a, a, a family, now mind you this, this is scary. A family can be ripped away from domestic violence prior two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten years ago. Then another incident or may or may not have occurred. 
it could be a completely false allegation, but because it's a false allegation of an argument, whether physical or not, those child are re those children or child is removed. Okay, mm -hmm. after you after you remove them the first time and then had a reunification plan with all of them. Does that make sense? And they drag out the reunification to the point where then they're doing uh, the TPR. And it's so sad because <clears throat> the TPRs are usually within families that um, have prior drug abuse. Um, TPRs were, are usually within po with the poverty level. Um, those are really where the TPRs are. And people have to think about this. When you bring a baby into the world, you have to consider, I really hope a lot of people listen to what you're saying and to protect your children as well as educate them as they grow up, but don't plaster them on Facebook and Instagram. It's just but, not safe. Exactly, exactly. And I can tell you this, Marianne, you can agree with me or not, but until this country becomes free again, people really should reconsider having children. I agree with you. I, I've always, I've said this and I didn't want to sound like, um, who was it, Margaret Sanger? <laughs> but uh, I agree. Uh, had I known everything was going to play out as it did in my life, I would not have brought children into this world because it's so bad. And it's going to be bad for them later in life. As we talked about in the, la in the last podcast, if you've, if you've been tainted by CPS, then your kids are going to be tainted by CPS as they get older and have kids of their own. As their children will. Yes, it's a repetitive cycle. They like to call it the crystal ball syndrome. What they like to do is predict based on your past life, what has happened to you, whether you had anything to do with it or not as a child, mind you. They like to, okay, well, they have, um, you know, that this happened, they were sexually abused, they were physically abused, they were in the, in the system, they went to different foster homes, um, <clears throat> et cetera, et cetera. They like to use the crystal ball syndrome where this is what we think predictable, you know, predictable, uh, might happen mm -hmm. and they take and they remove those children nine times out of ten those children are far <laughs> far uh more harmed than they could ever have been in that home with that parent yeah that's sick and i've i've you know i've even told parents you know as i talk to them and they've had and they're trying to get you know, they're two kids back. And I, I've said, you know what, if I were you, I don't, th I don't think I'd have another one because they'll be waiting for that one as well. See that. And I see and the saddest part about it. Let me tell you something, Marianne, it breaks my heart. I see, and I stay back and I stay silent because my voice is not going to really matter in a lot of people's lives until they wake up. So I sit back and I see, well, I've had five children I'm just, and they've all been removed and I just had this other baby. Will they come after me? Or I just had my other ch children removed. They're living with the, the grandmother. I just had another baby. Are they going to come after me? Or I'm, I've been clean and sober for 10 months. You know, I've had CPS in my life. Are they going to come after me? Yes, 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 and yes. You can cross any state line. People think that, uh, uh, I used to think this myself before I became educated, that Child Protective Services was only bad in one city, one state, one county. Guys, wake up, wake up. This is a massive, massive corrupt industry, globally, internationally, but way worse in the United States because the incentives, just like in Europe, in the UK, in England, it's incentivized in Canada. It's incentivized in Australia. It's incentivized. Our children are more money 
than actual silver and gold. The kids for cash scheme. Our children are worth more money than silver and gold because our country is bankrupt. They use children as profit. You said it. Yep. How very sad. It just and the first person to say it. <laughs> I'm just saying, wake up. Our children, their organs, their bodies, their minds are more valuable than silver and gold. That, that is true. And I asked you earlier, um, when did you start your nonprofit, your Warriors for Children and Families Unite? When did you start that? I started that in June of last year. So and we're coming it, on uh, seven months now. And ha you've had a lot of, you've had 30,000 views on that as well. Over, yeah, over that, I, I, I tried to uh, post things to keep people's spirits up, to enlighten them, to educate them. Um, but I also know that CPS entities, Child Protective Services, services, services as they like to call themselves, um, they like to infiltrate these Facebook accounts. They like to infiltrate and pretend that they're a victim. Um, then they go back and they laugh and they scoff because they have their own Facebook profiles and they talk about it. So parents, everybody be aware of this. Um, they really, they really like, they, they're the worst kind of snake because they have five heads. Mm -hmm. They're everywhere and anywhere. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, I'd like to add to parents out there um, and everybody that's listening. You may not be a parent or you may be a grandparent. You may be a close family member. You may be somebody fighting in this battle um, right now. I want to tell you something. There is hope. I need you to pray and I need you to pray diligently that this entity and these forces, they may be taken down. Um, they're evil. Do not pit your child as a weapon against your partner for a divorce or a separation. Do not pit a, a, a person's child as a weapon if you're a neighbor and you're, and you're pissed off. Teachers, please, you're pissed off at a parent, don't use their child as a weapon. These doctors that, that call, do your research. Really do your research. People stop using this agency as a weapon. They get more power and more power every time, every time they win and they take a child. They don't just take a child. That's what people need to understand. A child is not a product for sale. They take a soul. They take a person that could be full of dignity and grace and life and love and happiness and joy. And they take it and they crush it. Stop using this agency as a weapon. Definitely. Would you like to come back onto the show for another part three at some point? Absolutely. If you'll have me on, I would love to. Um, we have we have much more information to discuss. Definitely. This was uh, very educational, even for myself, even though I know some of this stuff since you and I have talked before, but talking to other parents and hopefully parents will listen. Grandparents will listen. And we've got to look out for each other. People you know, have got to we've got to stop this. You know, back in back, you know, 40 years ago, parents weren't weaponizing this. Uh, our neighbors weren't weaponizing the system. We we weren't. When Johnny got in trouble because the lights turned out, who called? Susie called Susie and hey, hey, Johnny's down here. He's not home yet. 
we've got to stop doing this. We got to look out for each other. It's not one for one, one for one. Stop this, you know, weaponizing of this system. It is absolutely crazy. And it's out of control. It's got to stop. I'm, I tell you, I never in a million years thought um, that I'd be advocating and I would be letting parents know that you really, really, really need to protect your children more now than ever from our own government. Definitely. And I will, Crystal, have you back on. Thank you so much. Sure. Slam the Gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in the family courtrooms and CPS that in turn perpetuate parental alienation. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption and Cry Out for Justice. Please join us again. And Crystal will be back at some point. Thank you.